Good evening. Good afternoon. It's a little earlier than usual. Welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. And joining me is Andy Yanez. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? Doing all right. Jay's Mueller, how are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. And last but not least, Mr. Willie Gibson. How are you, sir? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you? Okay, we're doing pretty well. We're enjoying the controversy, Mr. Gibson. Well, is the controversy speculation running rampant about uh, Dana Hogerson's status, job being in jeopardy uh, or not? Um, let's talk about why that talk is, has grown, speculation has grown. Mr. Gibson, on last Sunday's show, I believe, sir, you picked Tulane to beat Houston straight out, didn't you? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. And you were correct. <laughs> Tulane led by their third string quarterback. Let me say that one more time. Tulane led by their third string quarterback defeated Houston 27-24 in overtime. So it's bad enough to lose to another team's third string quarterback. But that's what happened. That is now the second time that Dana Hogerson has lost to Tulane. And according to uh, the Chronicles, Jerome Solomon, only two other UH football coaches have lost at least twice to Tulane, and both of them were two of the worst coaches in UH football history. <laughs> so uh, this is where we are, gentlemen. Andy, James, you were there. Y'all saw it firsthand. I really want to ask you this. First off, can y'all verify with me, verify, confirm, did Colt Holgerson give the double rods to the fans when they were booing? Or did he just simply raise his arms? I have not seen the double rod. I think he was only raising his hands in frustration. But I, I, from what the TV's shown, I haven't seen any video of him giving the double fingers to anyone. Um, but clearly he was frustrated on the sidelines after they had to take a knee going into overtime. James, did you see anything like the double rods or you just saw him raise his hands, raise his arms yeah. up? From my angle, it just looked like his hands, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, I can't completely confirm, but, yeah, I think it was just his hands. I think that would have been caught on video somewhere. I haven't seen it, so. I, I agree, but someone said that Dana did do that, you know, flip the birds to the fans. Will, mm. fans booed Friday. Uh, I think, Andy, you, you can comment better. Because we all believe the fans were booing Dana and the coaches instead of the players. But take it from there. Oh, absolutely. They were playing. They were booing uh, the coaches, in particular probably Dana Horson and his staff. Um, and, and it just comes to the multiple instances when the boos uh, really got loud. I think the, the biggest kind of breaking point came at the end of the, the fourth at the end of the fourth quarter, at the end of regulation there when Houston, they had a good chunk of time to be able to get try to drive down the field and walk off the game with a, at least set up in field goal position. Um, that drive went nowhere. They ended up going backwards and long story short, they ended up having to, to settle for a knee and play for the overtime. And as Clayton Toon took that knee, it really got loud with a lot of chorus of boos. And, and that's when the camera cut to Dana Hogerson um, throwing his hands up in frustration, but it, uh, there's not, they're not booing the players. They're, booing the coaching staff just because they are they're at a point Houston fans are where they're just frustrated with especially when it comes to the offense it was kind of Dana Horson's calling card heading into when he first joined Houston and and that just has looked 
super inconsistent and really um, not good at all throughout most of the season. James, before you add your, your three cents, Will, in the last, what was it, 40 seconds after Tulane tied it up in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. roughly, roughly, Houston had three timeouts. Okay, a chance to, right? They had three timeouts, right, guys? I'm pretty and, sure, yeah. And went backwards. Wow. <laughs> it, it was well, they a, had a tragedy of errors. It was, it was just embarrassing. It really and it went awful. back. It went back to to kind of the calling card of the season because that drive actually started off with an 18 yard completion uh, to Tank Dell, and then they got called for holding that set them back 10 yards. They used their first timeout. Then they got so they were at their own 45 yard line. They were at midfield. They probably needed about 20, 25 more yards to at least give themselves a chance to kick the game winning field goal. The holding penalty pushed them back 10 yards. Then they threw it to Christian Trahan for an incompletion. They got called for another. Uh, I think they got called for delay of game, which is what really started fans getting booed again. So that pushed them back all the way to the 30-yard line. And then they kind of threw in the white flag after that because they just opted to run with Brandon Campbell, who went nowhere. And then they just took the knee to end the the fourth quarter. It wasn't the delay of game after a timeout? Right. Yeah, yeah. It was after an incompletion, but I mean, okay. they're, they're, but they had a timeout. The time. They put, called a timeout the play before. Then there was the incompletion. Then the delay game. But still, in a you know under a minute situation, a delay game should never be an issue. Yeah. So, Will, that's that's gives you an idea of of how the game ended, and then the, the offense in the overtime only got a field goal. Defense gave up a touchdown. And that was can it. we talk? Can we talk about that <laughs> overtime? Because you, yeah. yeah, you, yeah. Please, can, can we talk about that? Go ahead. I've never seen, and to me, this is coaching one hundred and one. And maybe he explained this post game. I hope somebody asked him this. But who takes the ball first in overtime? You put your defense on the field first, then you see what you have to do. But he took the ball. No, I'm first of all, I'm, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. I'm watching. I'm in a hotel restaurant. I'm not watching the game. I just happen to get an alert. Tulane ties it up with less than a minute to go, and I look up and the game is on. And I see it. No sound. I see the caption, and he takes the ball. I'm like, who takes the ball first in overtime? Is that was that asked? I mean, he's done it all three times. He said analytically, there's like a 53 percent chance of winning if you take the ball first over like the last three years. Um, I still, and it was asked in the post game, like, did yes. you ever reconsider it? And he declined to answer that. He's like, we don't need to go over this again. Um, wow. failed to do their job, but, um, yeah, they're after the UTSA game, that first game, when they decided to take the ball first, he gave like a long answer about how they did this deep study. And like I said, it was like a 53% ch- chance of winning. Uh, if you had the ball first over the last like six years, 56% of the last three or something. So there's a slight advantage they found to taking the ball first. I still don't get it because I'm like you. I like to know what my offense has to do when they get the ball. But how did how did fifty three fifty six percent work on uh, Friday night? I'm just um, I'm, I'm, they're they're one and two in overtime this year. <laughs> so, yeah, one and two. Hey, there you go. Thirty three percent. Right. Like ah, I saw that. And I'm like you. And I text KT. I'm like, are you serious? Who takes the ball first in overtime? That's crazy. Wow. Okay. 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 But it, it just adds to more of what he said post game 
he's at a loss. He's, you know, five games in, three overtimes. He doesn't know what's wrong. If he did, he'd fix it. Um, that's another frustrating part for the fans is that the coach, the head coach, does not seem to know how to fix the issues. Then why is he the head coach? Thank you. Which is where we're going to go now, guys. Go Cougars. I'm sorry. More, more, and it's just fans yeah. are frustrated and asking for a buyout, fans to be gone, etc. Yeah. It's interesting today, I guess it was today, at least two media outlets wrote saying, and a friend of mine said it was like as many as five, wrote saying that Dana is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Uh, the money's too big, you know, et cetera. My response to him was the fact that outlets are now reporting and trying and stating that Dana is not going anywhere indicates to me that it's being discussed. Okay, so trust me on that. I got a text from a person. How we do it, Will? A friend of the program. Yes. Who says he's lost the team, he's lost the players, and hopes that the higher-ups are at least discussing a buyout. Imagine that. He lost the players. I wonder why. I wonder, uh, yeah, I wonder why. why. How did that happen? Okay, so I'm saying that's news to Andy and James because I didn't tell that, I didn't share that with them until now on the air. I wanted to get, get the reaction live on the air on FTS. I got <laughs> that information about 45, well, maybe an hour ago, that he's lost the team, and hopefully it's being discussed. Okay? So my colleagues who wrote the articles, we'll see who's going to be right. But Andy James, your, your initial reaction to what I just said. I'll take it first. And I, I think, like you said, Chris, um, who that person was that told you they hope that it is being discussed. I think you actually absolutely have to do it um, to, the, to the fact that um, what you're reporting that they told you that, that he's lost the locker room, that that can't have it's still two. You're two and three. Where could you go from there? You you at the end of the day, you got to cut your losses. If that's if that's true, if what, what they told you is true, um, heading into the Big 12, there's. Is there really any way they can salvage it? Um, and I said it after Let's Rage Cougs, where all all signals are pointing that they're going to get ran out the field in Memphis. Um, and if if that's what you said is true, there's there's no reason to continue going with Horson, in my opinion. They just it needs to be cut. Cut your losses while you still can. Take the L and try to rebuild again. Try to find someone else. James, what do you say? Yeah, I think there's definitely like frustration in the higher ups, but I don't see them making a move just because like what I said with let's on let's rage Cougs, like UH just doesn't have the boosters that are gonna put that money unless Tillman wants to do it himself. And that's firing that'd be firing his his friend, his buddy, basically Tillman pushed for this hire. Which I that's another reason. Like I don't think like with Tillman and Holgerson's relationship, that makes it more complicated where I doubt that he's going to put, you know, basically pay the buyout himself um, just because of that friendship. So, yes, I, I 100% agree there should be conversations, um, especially this is going into this season. You look at it, it's one of, it should have been one of the most important seasons in the program's history. You're heading into a Power Five conference for the first time. You want to have some momentum going in there. Um, 
and last when they set the extension, they were sending a message, you know, Dana's our guy. We believe in him. He's going to lead us there. After this, I mean, I'm sure there's some discussions, but I just don't see it happening just because financially, I don't, I don't see how they're going to gather that support. And I, I agree with what you guys said, but you know how I'm going to respond to it. They need the people who have made contributions to the Houston Rise uh, Foundation. They need to pull their money together to get Dana out of here. Because if Dana's lost the locker room, and Will, I don't know if I sent it to you, but Andy, is that is Alta McCaskill's tweet that he likes still on his, his uh, Twitter account? Uh, I can, but there's a there's a, a tweet by a fan who said at times the Houston offense is unwatchable. Houston's mm-hmm. Willie Gibson, Houston's best running back, who's out for the year with ACL, freshman star last season, liked that tweet. It's still up there as of yesterday. It was still up. Wow, it's still there, still. It's so, still up. Okay, so I would assume, yeah, he's heard from folks about it. You know, take it down, and, and he hasn't. So that says something to me. Something to me. So I think we got a. Oh, just lost some. What happened there? We had an audio issue. So um, lined up a guest, a special young man, should be uh, joining us shortly. Um, <clears throat> Will, what happened to Will? Will popped out too. There we go. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but Tillman was Dana's hire. You could say Chris Pesman's hire. Y'all know I thought the extension was a joke, was a mistake giving him that based on a, a soft schedule, all those things. But keeping Dana. We can, we can, we have the, the proof that we're not lying. There it is. <laughs> there, there it is. It's like <laughs> this Houston offense is unwatchable at times, liked by Alton McCaskill, and it is still up there as of today. So that could indicate that the players are not thrilled with Coach Hogerson either. Or someone on the staff, coaching staff, what have you. Which keeps adding to our point. But if you bring Dana back, I don't care what they do the rest of this year. But starting with uh, Friday in Memphis. If they lose Friday in Memphis at 2-4, and 0-2 oh in the American Athletic Conference, Mr. Gibson. They're not in the Big 12? In the AAC. They're not, not the yet in the Big 12. Not yet. Oh. No. Oh. So they'll be 0-2 oh in conference play. They're losing the fans right now. Yesterday's college game at, what was it, Sam Houston State, the Piney Woods Cup, whatever it is, had a, more, more fans there than Houston's game on Friday. Oh, what was the crowd? It was like 24,000 guys, wasn't it right? Something like 23,000, 24,000 Friday night at Houston? Yeah. Let me um, Piney Woods had like 28,000 yeah. in NRG Stadium. Okay? So, you bring Dana back Twenty-four thousand three hundred nineteen. Did they fix it? Did they fix the issue? I'm sorry. Did, I don't did, think there's been a ticket issue now. Okay. No. Well, they've had six thousand less fans to worry about. Yeah. So my issue is, if you bring him back next year, they're not going to win a conference championship this year. That would that would shock all of us if they turned things around and came back to win the AAC championship game. It would stun everybody. Barring that, you would limp into the Big 12 with a coach coming off a disappointing season because a lot of folks, not us, but a lot of folks believe the team is going to do big things this year and 
could be the next Cincinnati, which we all thought was a lie, was a joke. But other folks thought this, they had high, high expectations going to this season. Well, if they're not going to have any expectations next season. So Dana comes back. If the staff stays the same, which fans, fans at minimum want changes to the staff, especially OC. What reason, what incentive is it for fans to spend money to see this same product next year in a better conference? Zero. The only so you're incentive losing. is if you're the opposing fans. You want to go yeah. watch your team beat up on someone. So could that that could that could be Tillman, Pesman, and Dana's defenders? Well, fans are coming to see come come to the games. They're buying tickets. Yeah, but if <laughs> if the opponent, they're not coming to see you. So well, you know that I I understand what you're saying about the money. The buyout is huge. But at some point, if he's lost the team, and, you know, we're not going to – the players are going to tell us that on the record. They're not going to know that. But their actions, slowly but surely, getting to wonder about that. You know, it might have all started from the we need better players comment. He could have lost them then. This I, season could go down the toilet. I think, Chris, the players are already telling us what the young man's like. Well, I, like I said, I'm putting, I'm, I'm putting all the, the dots out there for people to connect – or ignore whatever they want to do with it, okay? And that includes the higher-ups. What is the buyout? Do we know? It's 11.3 by the end of this year, starting at 9.3 January 1st. Now, we're not sure if that has to be paid, you know, in two months you know, total, or if they can split it up into three years or whatever, not about the particulars, about how long it would take to pay out the buyout. I'm, so, I'm quite, quite sure there's offset if he gets another job. Which yeah, who's going who's going to hire him <laughs> oh. as, as head coach? Who's going to hire him? No, no, no. It does. If you yeah. listen, most most contracts is offset money. Even if he's OC somewhere, whatever he's making, right. half a million that money stays in in Houston. So I don't know. All right, let me see real quick, Jalen. Can you if you can hear me, give me a thumbs up. All right, he, he, all right. <laughs> so we're gonna go to. I'm, well, I'm going to age myself with this one. But here we go. Jalen Lowe. I, I, I got you now. There we go. Can you hear me? Hello? Jaylen? Yes, sir. Okay. Joining us is Jalen Lowe here on Folks Talking Sports. And Andy, if you don't mind, his Twitter account is just that, his name together. So retweet or add him so folks know if you're tuning in right now. Saturday, yesterday, 5 p.m. Central Time. Jalen Lowe announced his college choice. He chose Pitt, be a Pitt Panther. Yes, sir. So uh, that's what, what was your reason behind choosing Pitt? First of all, congratulations on your choice. Thank and let you. me also add, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I got to do this for the committee. He's also a 2022 fin a finalist for the Guy V. Lewis Award. So we're trying to do a better job promoting the young men who are continuing their careers in college. So Another reason why I want to get him on the show. But, yeah, just talk about it for a few moments. Daniel, what was your thought process in choosing Pitt? Um, really, the relationship with the coaching staff, that was uh, great from the start. The opportunity presented there, that was really a big factor in why I chose them. The playing style and really just the, the 
culture that they have up there and what they're building up there is what got me really excited and really ultimately made my choice. How many other schools uh, did you make official visit besides Pitt? Um, about five, five other schools. And, and who were they? It was uh, Oklahoma State, Rice, <coughs> um, SMU, uh, Memphis, and, and Pitt was really, so it was just those, those five. And who did you visit last of those five? Memphis. Okay, so I, I knew that, but I wanted to get my reaction of my colleagues. So check that out, Will. Andy James, he visited Memphis last and still chose Pitt. So folks who talk about Penny's a great closer, well, not in this case. So I just want to put that out there. But Jalen, did your dad, your, your, your parents have any influence in your decision or this is all you? Um, of course, they had influence. I asked them questions, seeing their thoughts about each school. But ultimately, it was my decision at the end of the day, seeing, doing, seeing and doing what's best for me and what I thought. And they asked me what, what I think the best decision is, and I chose Pitt. And did the coaches talk to you how they plan to utilize you and your, your skills at Pitt? Yes, sir. Really just uh, playing my – way I played my, my whole life, my AAU career this past summer, uh, being a two-point guard, a playmaker, um, play fast, play pick and rolls, be a great leader. That's a, that's really what they asked for me. And who's head coach at Pitt? Um, coach Capel. Hit, hear that, Will? I, I just want to have that out there, too. Jeff Capel's at Pitt? That's, that's for you, Will. Okay? That's, that's for you, Will. All right. question? Yeah, you, please, by all means. All right. First of all, Jalen, congratulations on your, on your decision. Uh, to you. Um, what are your thoughts as far as going into the, the ACC, uh, one of the probably the uh, premier basketball conference in, in America, some would say with uh, North Carolina and uh, Pitt and, and those other uh, those other schools? What, what, what are your thoughts? Um, it's what I guess really every kid wanted to play in growing up. You always think of some blue blood schools like North Carolina and Duke. You see a lot of great guards come out from the ACC also. Um, so, I mean, ACC is where you kind of want to be at. And it's one of the best conferences in the country, great competition. So that's that's where I, that's where I want to go. Andy, James, you have questions for him? Yeah. yeah I, go ahead. Andy. James, you can go first. Okay. Hey, Jalen. Um, you talked about, you know, the pit culture playing a part in your choice. Can you just – uh, expand on that a little more, sort of what, what appealed to you about their culture and sort of what they're doing with that program right now? Uh, they're really trying to build right now. They have uh, two really other great commits right now that I think are really good that are coming in next year also. Um, they're really trying to rebuild almost, um, but they, they've done a great part in putting some really good pieces together right now. And I just see myself and the other guys that were recruiting just – Fitting in great up there. Yeah, Jalen, what I was, well, first, like Will said, congratulations. Um, as you and Mark are about to start your new college journey, but I'm, I'm just curious from like the whole process, what was that like? Like whenever you first got offers, like what was that process like in terms of schools reaching out to you? Like I'm sure it's probably a little surreal whenever you first started getting some of those offers. 
Uh, it was definitely surreal. I mean, uh, always wanted as a kid. I saw older people, all like guys growing up around me. They all went through it. But to be honest, at the end of the day, it was a little tiring. I mean, I'm, you just, it's a lot that goes in it. I feel like that most people don't see. But I really enjoyed it the whole time because at the end of the day, I mean, I was blessed to be put in that position to have coaches calling and have offers at the end of the day. So, I mean, it was just a great experience overall. And what high school league are you attending? I'm at uh, Thurgood Marshall, Fort Ben, Fort Ben Marshall. And what AAU team do you play for? I play with Houston Hoops. Your dad told me that you were – you had a game today in uh, Jim Hicks' extravagant, 616 extravaganza. How'd you guys do? Um, we played uh, two game. We played three games today. We won the first two. We just lost by four to Tascacita. So, in the final, final four, yeah. And when did that game end? Um, what time is it? It ended <laughs> around, it, yeah, it ended at three. At three? So. Yes. He was kind enough to join us roughly 45 minutes after he played a game, his third game today. So thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that. Um, I, 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 I'm showing my age. He doesn't remember me for anything, but I remember him when he was running around uh, basketball gym to probably four or five years old, <laughs> running around on, on uh, some of the grassroots and stuff because I've known his dad forever. So I'm very happy that I'm happy for you. But what was who was your first visit, official visit? Because you said Memphis was your last one. But where was Pitt in that? First, second, third, or fourth? Pitt was actually fourth. I took my first official visit to Oklahoma State during my junior junior year, junior summer. Yeah, it was first to Oklahoma State, then it was to um, SMU, then Rice, then uh, Pitt was afterwards. Yes, sir. And with, without criticizing any of the other schools, did you notice a, a big difference in their recruiting pitch to you? Um, I wouldn't say such a big difference. I feel the way they explained different terms and, and how they would utilize me and what they were building, I think that just appalls me, appealed to me more than some of the others. It wasn't really just how they recruited me, like who called more or who who said whatever like that kids want to hear nowadays. It's really just showing it, they really showed me what they're building and what they're doing and how I really fit. So that's how it was. Did did the pit promise you you would start immediately? No. No, I gotta work for that. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure how, how that worked, you know. So the okay. Did any of the, the programs, don't say a name, but did any of them promise you, say, if you would start immediately if you came to them? I mean, they said that, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, I can't really trust a word on that one. I, I mean, I got to go anywhere and prove that I deserve that start position. But yeah, I mean, they use it as a pitch. How, what are your expectations for your senior year at Marshall? Um, really just overall, um, is win a state championship. That's my main goal. I have little side goals in there and stuff like that, but ultimately it's a state championship. Do you mind sharing with us some of your side goals? 
Uh, one Gabby Lewis Award. One is a Gatorade Texas Gatorade Player of the Year. Those are those are my two main ones that I've kind of kept my eye on a little bit for my high school career. Um, and then, I mean, that's really that's really what I've been focusing on this year. Well, I gotta say, it, guys, as a member of the Gabby Lewis Award Committee, to hear a young man mention the Gabby Lewis Award as one of his goals, that warms my heart right there. So we're doing <laughs> something right. So, and he has a chance to be. Wow, probably just a, a small handful of players to repeat as finalists. So he has a great chance to, to do that. It's probably like less than three to be repeat finalists. So, Jalen, wish, I wish you luck. Uh, thank your dad for helping me arrange this. Um, you taking time to talk to us. Andy James, Will, do I have any more questions before Jalen before you let him go? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with an easy one. Who's your favorite NBA player right now or college player? I don't have a college. Um, I feel like I'm too close in age to have a favorite college one. But mm-hmm. NBA, um, <laughs> did definitely uh, been Trey Young. Trey Young's definitely my favorite player for the past since he was in college. Actually, do you have Trey Young range? Getting there, getting there. It's it's a it's working. I'm working on it. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's 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 like his yet, but I'm I'm definitely working on it. All right, James. Will any any last questions for for Jalen? Oh, not for me. All right, Jalen. Thank you very much for taking time to join us on Folks Talking Sports. We really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to try to see you play uh, this season at some point. And I have a sneaking suspicion we'll see you. I'll see you in March at the Gavi Lewis War reception. And stay tuned because we're going to announce our watch list for top fifty. Hopefully, in about four weeks. For sure. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You take care. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right. That was good. Great good. Great good. Thank you, sir. And and that is for folks who are watching us on Twitter and on the Houston Round Bar View YouTube channel. That is another thing that I like FTS to grow into, to uh, have high school players discuss their commitments to college choices, um, you know, live on the show. Eventually, I like to FTS to be like a destination choice for kids to say, I want to announce my choice on FTS. Yep. So, you know, that's down the line too. Let's put that out there as well. So I have I know, like I said, known Jalen's dad for 15, 16 years, something like that. So, you know, it's good to have co- connections and networking is, is a plus. So thank you very much for that. So go ahead, Will. Who did he say was the coach at Pitt? Capel. I thought he was at Oklahoma. Jeff Capel? So you're being funny, huh, now? I just thought he was at Oklahoma. I mean, the Dukey and all. I don't know. You see, you got that Tar Heel, you know, coming coming through right there. Tony so, M, how are you? Jaymon M, how are you? Uh, okay, here's a question. It's a comment. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's kind of, it's humorous. Dana needs to retire and go manage a Chick-fil-A like Tony Levine did. But it brings up a... a kind of a question that some fans are beginning to wonder or say out or say out loud. They feel that Dana Hogerson has, has kind of checked out on coaching because he's not, a, he's not nearly as aggressive with the play calling. I mean, he doesn't even have these direct play calling duties. Shannon Dawson has those, but 
maybe one of Houston's quick fixes for this season is for him to resume play calling. And maybe that would help them be more aggressive on offense. What do you guys think about that? It would certainly shake things up, but um, maybe this past game against um, Tulane will be enough to spark the force in the change. But Dana Orson actually addressed that this past Monday during his news conference. And he talked about how um, kind of really the, the reasons or when Dawson first kind of had the responsibility of play calling came towards the end of last season. And he couldn't remember the exact date of it was around the Memphis game. Between the UConn and Memphis game, he decided to to give Dawson those responsibilities because in Hogerson's words, he said that he was kind of cooked to the point where he was exhausted. He wanted to give Dawson that responsibility because it freed him up, especially in practice, to be able to go out and have you know more of his eye in, in both offense and defense and have more control over the team is what he said. I mean, he felt comfortable with Dawson being able to play call, and that's something that they've carried over. Um, since this game, which I found it interesting. So Dawson was the – he's been the play caller through – I guess we could count the UConn, UConn game a season ago, but really he was the play caller for the Cincinnati during the American Athletic Championship game. He was a play caller uh, in the Auburn when they did the Birmingham Bowl. And, I mean, since that point, uh, Houston has really struggled on. Now, credit, Cincinnati was Cincinnati and then – um, but since that point, that's when Dawson was able to take over the offense. And he said that he didn't really foresee any reason for that uh, to change just because, and this was quote unquote, Dana Hogerson's words. He said that he's pretty elite at play calling. Um, and he, he could go back and to play calling whenever he wanted to, but he just doesn't see the need to do that. Now, this was this past Monday. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he had any um, change of hearts after the way Friday's game against Tulane went. Yeah, you let us know tomorrow if he has a change of heart. Somebody ask him that question because the offense, you know, is just it's boring. They're not aggressive. The first halves are dull. Um, and something is wrong. I think we think something is broken. And something needs to be done to fix it. <laughs> so I'll ask you, Andy, because you seem to know this. Has the line been set for Friday's game against Memphis? Uh, let me check right now, but um, usually it, it takes a while. But I'll, I'll but James, what do you think about fixing the offense? I mean, to me, I don't think whose play calling matters as much because, sorry, Dawson and <coughs> Holgerson are, uh, you know, game planning together. The game planning strategy just needs to change. Don't wait till the second half to draw up your first shot play. Like your script, I mean, the, you typically think of the team scripting in their first 15 plays. Put some aggressiveness in there. Um, you know, you're following those. Um, just overall, I think, regardless of who's calling plays, they're just too, they're just way too conservative on offense right now. Yeah. And um, as you, you can see, 10 first quarter points all season. Uh, trailing in, I think every, every game. Every game they faced a deficit. Every game they faced a deficit. I think Rice was the first time they didn't face a double-digit deficit, and Tulane they didn't face a double-digit deficit either. But yeah. So, well, you you hear that you you know you cover the Ohio State. You hear that Houston has trailed in all five of their games this season so far. Something by half is wrong. Time. By halftime. 
something is wrong with, with the offense. And yet Dana Hogerson does not, so far, we'll find out tomorrow, does not believe there's a need to change. What do you think about that? Just what you said earlier, he checked out. I hadn't thought about that till you said it. But if you look at this, your livelihood is on the line. You made your mark in this game as an offensive guru, but you don't want to call plays. He doesn't want it. That's it. I think he checked out. And that's a great observation. I said, you guys are closer. I hadn't thought of that. But if you look at the totality of what's been going on this entire season, slow starts, the uh, going at the media, saying I need better players, saying I ain't responsible for this, Red Bulls and vodka. He doesn't want it. He wants that 11.3 parachute. To me, as an outsider looking in, because if you don't, why would you not want to improve? If, if, if this isn't working and I want what's best, why would I not take the steps to improve? And Andy James, just, just your thoughts on that. I, I think that's another potential reason for the administration to consider. Because if Colt Hogerson has checked out, if he's if he's it, he doesn't if he's burnt out really, because I think he's mentioned that a couple of times. He's you know, um, he doesn't want to get a burnout. Well, if he has burnt out, if he doesn't have the fire in him to make changes to be more aggressive on offense, then I don't believe the administration would want him for the next four or five years if if he's checked out mentally. You know, I mean, right? Well, those comments, uh, I forget. I think it was two weeks ago going into the Rice game when he was that, Andy, that was when he talked about uh, the play calling stuff, right? Rice uh, on Monday. You know, that, Rice. that was this past, that was this, this past week. That was this past week? Okay, my bad. Leading this past week. But he did say, like, the reason um, they changed the UConn or Memphis game when it, whatever when Andy was mentioning was because he felt burned out. He used those exact words. He got a little burned out, um, which is why they, and also he, you know, said he has confidence in Dawson, but like like Will was saying, he used those exact words. So, and, and what actually, about, what I if he's burnt out? We, if he is, and that that just goes back to the point I made earlier, where I said that UH needs to cut its losses while it still can, and before it, it keeps getting any further. Um, and actually, I do have the clip um, in regards to Dana Holgerson talking about the offense. If you want to play that. Let's about see, the where, play calling with Dawson, I have to, uh, I have to share screen, but I can do that. Um, and don't you know, that, that high tech stuff, man. Go ahead if you make it happen, make it happen. Sweet. Um, I, I believe it shows up at the bottom first. So um, now let me see. There we go. Just had to make sure. Now Shannon, Shannon has got those duties now. Um, you know, the way I phrase it, um, it just – because I'm comfortable with them calling plays, uh, it, it it frees me up to do more, um, especially in practice. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm still in the game planning, you know, between myself and, and Shannon and Mike Burgett, our senior analyst. I mean, we coordinate together. 
you know, we all three think alike. We've been together for a long time. Um, last year, uh, game 11, I was cooked a little bit and we were playing at UConn. So I just, I turned it over to Shannon. You know, we made the game sheet, call sheet the way I want it, the way he wants it, the way Birch wants it from an organizational standpoint. And we put it on there and, you know, I just got done. I just got done with the third medium, third medium meeting on what we're going to do on third and medium. So once it's on the sheet, it's third and medium. You pick a play and you call it. You know, now there's a feel to it and there's a rhythm to it. And um, Shan's got that. He's a he's a pretty veteran play caller. You know, I think he's pretty elite at it, honestly. So it, I liked it. You know, and he's heard me for the last couple of years on how I want to manage it. Like I'll I'll be like huddle change personnel groupings, you know, go 12 personnel, go 10 personnel, you know, let's get in a huddle. Let's, let's up tempo this period. I mean, I say we talked the whole time. Right. Uh, but I just liked how it flowed. And then we went into Memphis and it flowed good. And then at, or I think those games were reversed. Honestly, I called Memphis, he called UConn and then he did Cincinnati and Auburn. I just liked it going into the off season. I liked it. It took that off of me in practice to where I can sit behind the coach, the, 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 the quarterback, and just kind of see different angles to it and control practice. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's helped me be in the middle of what we're doing offensively, defensively, and special teams as well. I could go back to calling it right now if I want to. I just, I don't see, I don't feel like that's necessary right now. That's a full clip. <laughs> I apologize. No, I don't. What are you watching? I don't feel it's necessary. What? what, what? You're two and three. What's well, not necessary? All right. Well, they were two and two at that point. So yeah, you guys let me know tomorrow if he if he says something different because it's not working right now. It's not working, and I don't. And, and it's interesting because you we heard him right there. He said that the UConn game was the. Um, the first game where Dawson started calling plays, so they put up 45 points against UConn, but uh, being it, it is Connecticut um, in that American Athletic Championship game, they only scored 20 against Cincinnati. They only scored 17 in the win uh, against Auburn. And then we know what's happened this season. They put up 37 against UTSA, but that was in triple overtime. And I think, I can't remember, what wasn't it 20 to 20 going into the overtime period or yeah. mm-hmm. something along those lines against Texas Tech? Similar, I think they, they were held to field goal in the first half. Uh, the Kansas game, the Rice game, the Tulane game, the offense, honestly, hasn't been the same since after that UConn game. You know what that sounds like? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Don't be sorry. Let me, don't, don't apologize. That's why you're on the show. That sounds like it's what – I'm just going back to what you said earlier. He's Tillman's friend, right? Yes. That's somebody that knows, I don't care what y'all say. I'm not going nowhere. My man's got me. My man's got me. So I'm going to do whatever. Not going to listen to you. That's why not. That's what, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, he said, he said some reckless stuff. But that's why. His man's got him. And that is the, could be the bottom line out of, out of all of this is he's Tillman's guy. And how long will it take Tillman to realize that the fans don't care about Hoverson and UH football? Because right now the fans are frustrated. They care enough about the team 
to vent. But if they get to the point where they stop caring and ignore the football program, that's when you have that's when it's over. Because the indifference will get them. Did, did the AD address his I'm not responsible for them that comment? Not publicly. No. <laughs> no. <clears throat> yeah, that's his man's. He good. Yeah. He good. That's yeah. Yeah, that tells me all I need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh wow. Okay. So let, let's let's talk uh Will, how was Cavaliers Media Day? <laughs> it was cool. Let's shift some gears and talk some basketball. Something something happy and positive. Yeah. Uh, so anything stand out to you? Uh Evan Mobley is huge. He's gained weight? Yeah, he gained weight. And he and he he gained weight and now his game is watch out this season for for number four for the Cavs. His game is he's taking his game to the next level in year two. How many how many pounds did he put on? Did he say he didn't? He 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 said, well, you know, he kind of was coy about it, him and Han, and really didn't say, but it's noticeable. It's noticeable. Okay, because I know Jalen Green said he's gained about ten pounds. KPJ, he's gained weight. Um, his shoulders are, are broader. Mm-hmm. I know youngster uh, Kate Cunningham. He's Kate's gained like fifteen pounds. Um, so you know, part of Rookie to second season, youngsters realize what they need to do to get handle the grind of the NBA. So, right. So they're in the lab doing that. So, um, I'm not sure. I got to read the article Tony's referencing about right here in the chronicle yesterday about beating up Dana, but it's justified, <laughs> you know. And for folks who say, "Oh, Chris, you're a hater. You're a hater. You're a hater." Well, first, I'm your alum, class '94. Okay, so I call I call out crap when I see crap. Okay, I did not like the hire to begin with. What's Dana's record right now, guys? In Houston, twenty-one and eighteen. Correct. Yeah, twenty-one and eighteen, and that's with a twelve and two season. Right. Mm-hmm. So he got twelve of those wins last season. So nine against, and six. Oh, nine and sixteen without. Twelve and two with a soft schedule. <laughs> Soft, soft, soft schedule. We thought <laughs> this year was a soft schedule. Well, at two and three, we think they're going to be two and four after this Friday's game against Memphis at Memphis on ESPN two. I, I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> and then that's just talking about the on the field record. Add to it his comments. Um, his lack of responsibility, all these things add up to me. But Will said it, and as some other alum that said to me, he's Tillman's guy. If he if Tillman holds firm, then Dana's gonna be Houston will be will be stuck with Dana next year, and they got, might get this destroyed next year in the Big 12. So then what? <laughs> you know, and it's weird to me. I'm a Go bring Andy and James on this. To compare and contrast, if Dana's Tillman's guy, okay. But look at the success of, I think Kelvin Sampson was a really a Tillman hire because of Kelvin's time with the Rockets. And Tillman at that point was, you know, very involved with the Rockets. He can take hold of all, all the kind of things. 
you, you have success. One example, a great example of success in Kelvin Sampson. And then you had Dana. I mean, <laughs> this should not be that hard. Andy James, what do you think? Just in terms of uh, the comparison or, or about what? Tillman, the comparison, Tillman likes, he likes to win, right? I think he likes to make money. Well, at some point, keeping Dana will be sunken cost. They're going to lose money because fans are going to stop caring about football. As, lo as long as Dana's here and they're losing, and they're losing with it, the words he says and what he, oh, his actions, all that kind of stuff. I think, Chris, did you did you bring it up on Let's Rage Cougs about how Dana was probably not going to leave? Like when they hired him, was that you that brought it up? I don't think oh, he's going anywhere. About, <laughs> yeah, about him being yeah, a yeah. coop, one of like, the reasons why they were He, he was going to stay, yeah. And right, so I yes. think like they'd rather have yep. a safer option. And where, Whereas, you know, you look at a guy like Tom Herman, who had success at UH. He obviously didn't have success at Texas or wherever he went after that. But um, he had success at UH, but then he left. Uh, they've, had so, they've had a bunch of coaches leave, so I feel like that was a good point. Like, you know. We may not be as good, but at least we got a guy that's going to stay. Yeah, that was the rationale. You know, one of the reasons to hire Dana was he he wants to be Houston. You know, he wants to be here for life. You know how they say that. They put that out there. And the administration was like, well, he's not going to leave. He won't leave us. He won't he won't desert us for another job. Well, which was that, off the heels of the, the Tom Herman situation. Yeah, that, that line of thinking sometimes leads to bad hires. And I think Dana was a, is a bad hire. And who, go ahead, Will. Who does, I, don't, I don't know. I know this was up, what three, four years ago. But who were the other candidates? Do we know? Or I know you guys know. Or I don't know. I'm just curious. Uh, mm, he, I mean, he was at West Virginia, and he kind of left West Virginia so sudden. I'm not sure if a lot of other candidates really were. Leaked publicly, okay. Because I mean, the deal was done pretty quickly because he, it was done like in December. Okay. So I, I'm not sure, you know, who was up for other candidates for the job, but it, it wasn't a lot of people. I, I think one name was really un unrealistic was Les Miles. You know, that that would have been a disaster <laughs> looking yeah. back on it. But you know, names like that kind of thing. But that might have been it. Okay. I, I said I said earlier, I don't know if I might call it. I was like, "Go Cougars!" You might want to get ready for that cage and draw because then you send me a picture. Yeah, of, he was he was there. He was there at the game Friday. Field. Coach O was there. Just saying. Anybody know why was he was it was he? He's good friends with Willie Fritz at Tulane. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's answering Untitled Project's uh, question. I'd like Coach Fritz to be in charge of Houston football. You know, um, I, I, I like him as a coach because I think I mentioned it last week. If it came down to coaching between Coach Fritz and, and Coach Ferguson, I'm picking Coach Fritz. You did. Well, <laughs> well um, let me, can I throw out a name? Yes, please um, do. Obviously, this, this person has a job right now, but if the Panthers 
continue their trend. Matt Rule could be another guy. You've seen what he did at Temple and Baylor. He's been he's done a good job in college of turning mm-hmm. programs around. He hasn't had that success at the NFL, but he's proven he's been able to turn around college things. And I feel like he's on the hot seat. Um, just you know, the Panthers haven't done anything with him, so I feel like that could also be a a guy that could be a nice addition to the program. And he and I think he's more of a college coach anyway. Yeah, he's a better college coach. Yeah. And you got any names out there? No, I was looking, I was researching some articles that, that were back from December 2018 before they hired Holgerson. And it's funny because Dan Dayon brought this name up during Let's Rage Cougs, but apparently a lot of the candidates, so Cliff Kingsbury was um, at the time when he was with USC, he was a candidate that they was mentioned. Uh, Lane Kiffin uh, was another coach that was brought up, and then Neil Brown. At the time, it seems like those were the names that were in the mix with Dana Holgerson when Houston uh, back then was um, seeking a new head coach after they had fired Apple White. So um, it was among that field. Um, I don't but... see Cliff coming back to the co- to college. Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't want Cliff if I was UH. He was he was average at Texas Tech. He's average. Yeah. 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 But but guys, if he says he's going to stay at Houston for life, they'll get him. They'll 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 believe it and sign him to a long term deal and oh I said it all out I'm sorry um, but I don't believe Dana will be fired I believe he should be fired after this season wait till January first January second yes the total buyout his contract and the coaching staff would be like around sixteen million dollars okay. Lawyers, y'all can work it out. Four years, four million a year, make it work. Okay, if y'all want him gone, make it work. I go back to what I'm using Houston's own words. They they say they are a big time program. They want to be a big time program. Well, big time programs get rid of their mistakes. Okay, and it looks like more and more. Dana Hogerson was a mistake. Now, they could surprise Andy, James, me, Tony M, Goyo Falcon, people watching on Twitter and YouTube, surprise all of us and win the rest of their game this season. Run the table, finish, whether it be nine and three, win seven in a row. That would shock me, <laughs> but they could do that. And if they did that, then obviously they're not going to fire Dana. But if they go to two and four this Friday and stumble the rest of conference play, even if it's five and three, six and two, what record would the uh, six and two make them in if they go six and six and two in conference, guys? Eight and four. Put them at eight and four. Eight and four. Hmm. And I think President Couture said, and she's never gonna live it down, at least not as long as I'm alive. <laughs> we fire coaches who go eight and four. Well, that's on you, ma'am. Okay. We're Is gonna... that in Memphis or, or at home? At Memphis. At Memphis. That's two and four. <laughs> yeah. And did you, were you able to find the spread, a line yet for it? Yeah, Memphis is favored three and a half as of now. Ooh, hmm. Well, me and you don't gamble. Well, we might need to get into gambling, man. Can we talk about that, what I sent you? Can I yeah, go, go ahead. Bring it up. Man, speaking <laughs> of that, that – I don't understand. That's Chris. I'm, I know next to nothing about gambling. All right. Preface that by saying that first. But Ohio State closed yesterday homecoming 
against Rutgers. Yeah, we bring in Rutgers for homecoming. Was a 39-point favorite. All right? Now, I, I typically don't pay attention to this. Just stuck out at the end of the game. Like, you've got to be kidding me. They were a 39-point favorite. The over-under was 59. All right? 39-point favorite. Over-under 59. Ohio State beat, beat Rutgers yesterday 49-10. to A 39-point <laughs> victory. 49 plus 10 is 59. I don't understand it. Mine is blown. How? How? How, Sway? Vegas, Vegas knows, man. Vegas knows. That was absolutely crazy to me. I'm like, how did... Like I said, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a gambler. I don't know point spread, money line. I, I hear the terms. I don't know. That right there was absolutely mind-blowing. Yep. It's amazing how it works out. And, I mean, exact like that. But we're going to wrap it up. Uh, so I'm going around the screen. Also, folks, remind everybody, you can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. So you hear the audio version of this. If you don't want to see our four handsome faces, you can listen to the, our, <laughs> our four smooth voices. I want to do it that way. That's fine. But, Andy, how can folks find you on Social media, sir. Follow me on Twitter at Ayana's underscore five. Um, also, be sure to check out the new Pod Slamajama YouTube account at P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A on YouTube. We have, um, we're now at 272 subscribers, so we're actually pretty close to, to picking up. I think we've picked up around 80 over the course of the past week. And I think that that's a big uh, kudos to the men's basketball team um, with them kicking off practice this past week. So we are 27.2% of the way to the road to a thousand. So be sure if you haven't done so already to subscribe to that. And of course, let's read Coops. We'll be back this Friday after the conclusion of Houston and Memphis, um, 6 30 PM kickoff. So it'll probably be around uh, 10, 10 PM show roughly. James, I can you find you. Oh, I was going to say, well, before that, you can add one more untitled project. Just said he's going to subscribe. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, you can find me online um, on Twitter at JDM2186. And then all my coverage regarding anything UH-related is at thedailycougar.com. Willie Gibson, how can folks find you, sir? Uh, they can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at WillGibson7 and uh, Facebook at WillKnows. And you can find me, see it on there, ZHR Review. Back to follow us on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter. This show is available on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. We got a Folks Talking Sports playlist, which you can click on for all our shows. Um, one final note I'm getting ready to head to the Rockets Spurs preseason game number one for both teams. This is a note for the fans of UH men's basketball. I'm not going to say the, the team, the NBA team, but there was a scout, NBA scout, I'll talk to, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> ask him his thoughts on what he saw from Houston men's basketball practice first week. He said, you know, it's early. It's early. But y'all got a heavy hitter in Jarris Walker, a heavy hitter. So just keep that in mind, folks, as we close out this Additional folks talking sports. And that was a pretty high, uh, it's a high profile team, high, too, Chris. Yes, high profile team. Yes. So 
heavy hitter. Jairus Walker is a heavy hitter. And he has bought into the culture. <laughs> culture, culture, culture for Houston Cougars men's basketball. So that is something to hang your hat on, UH fans. Hoops is closer and closer. It's round the corner. They have so, a countdown for that too. Uh, Which, guys, how are we for next Sunday? I'm good. Same. Do the Rockets? Well, we'll figure it out. I'm good for yeah, Sunday. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, 36 days. 36 days, 3 hours, 29 minutes, and 28 seconds until November 7th, 7 p.m., according to UH's website. And that will be the first Less Rage Cougs for men's basketball for this season on November yes. 6th. So, yes, tune in for that. As always, fans, thank you very much. Viewers, supporters, we appreciate your time, taking time to watch us, listen to us. Until next time, take care. Peace. What was I about fault. I just, because I apologize, it took forever to come back up. I just got to tell you weekly for Nick Casario, because I know he's watching. Nick Casario, I got to bring up CJ Stroud, because that's the number one pick of the draft for the Houston Texans. They lost today. Yes. So, yes, sir. Speaking of. Speaking of Nick Casario, he was scouting. He was scouting at TDSU Stadium. Um, he was scouting two lane players at that game. So, wow, two lane players. That's how I heard. You, you, you didn't say Houston players. You said two lane players. You know? <laughs> well, at least in the pregame warm ups, he was watching on the two lane side of the field, and he had scouts all over the place. It looked like they were heavily focused on someone on the two lane rosters, but who knows? Um, as the game progressed, if they were keeping eyes on on some of the other guys on the other side, but pregame is the focus was on two lane. So let's not end on that, that down note. So once again, UH men's basketball fans and NBA scout says, Jairus Walker, y'all got a heavy hitter right there. So until next week, take care. Peace.